gentlemen, and welcome to the March 1st, 2016 edition of Season 3 of The Court Report on the Nahum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Sunday night at 7 p.m. That's right, because we're in playoff mode and effectively in March Madness we are reversed, so it'll be Sunday night, Tuesday night, both at 7. The regular show will be on Tuesday night, Encore on Sunday, a flip of the regular season, right here on the Nakam Single Network. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know about it. You can find me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weisselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. And around playoff time, we want to know all about it. Speaking of playoff time, thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. Every championship, if you have a trophy, go take a look at it. Take a look underneath. You probably see a Crown Trophy sticker, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. They've been doing it for over a decade, and they've been giving you quality handiwork and craftsmanship. They are amazing, amazing people. And once again, they will be uh, sponsoring the trophies for the 2016 Martin Weiselberg uh, Memorial Invitational Tournament, which we'll get to a little later on in this show if there's time. If not, we'll get to it next week. But if you need them for anything, anything, any event that you're going to be doing in the, re- in the, you know, in the next couple of weeks, get to them quickly because with all the trophies they're going to be churning out for the Yeshiva League Championships, they may just not be able to get to it. Well, knowing them, they'll get to it anyways because they're just that good. Give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Let them know that I sent you. They will love you for it. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our shows all the way back to the first season. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice, though. Much like the show is not about me disrespecting, criticizing, or degrading players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is March, and that means March Madness. The next month is the month that we wait all season for. We're going to be whittling everything down to the semifinals this week. After tonight, all leagues will be in semifinals mode. Everybody will know who they're facing and route to the championship games happening in just a few weeks. It will all start on March 14th for the championships of the boys' hockey leagues, JV and varsity. It will continue later on that week for the March 17th girls' varsity and JV basketball championships and finally finish up on March 20th with the boys JV and varsity basketball championships. In between, though, let's not forget, we have Saracek coming up. Yeah, that's right. This month is so packed. There have already been some great games. We'll run down this past week of games, including the amazing game that happened in Flappish between Hill and Flappish the other night, a capacity crowd, which really, really heightened the level and the atmosphere in the gym and around the league. It really did set the tone, and we will get to that when we get to boys' basketball. 
boys JV basketball, girls uh, JV and varsity basketball we'll get to today. We'll get to a couple of previews for the coming week, and we'll set the tone for their semifinals. And for the boys hockey league, a couple of really big games this week, including TABC and Ramaz, the battle of the gold and blue going back and forth with each other. We'll get a full recap of that game. But let's not forget also Sarachek, which I said we'll hopefully get to that this week. If not, we'll get to that next week. That happening next weekend uh, in Yeshiva University. Always the apple of everybody's eye come March, this time coming in before the end of the Yeshiva League season. So we will look to get you that preview next week. Speaking of tournaments, also wanted to uh, announce the 2016 Martin Weisleberg Memorial Hockey Tournament. As I said a couple of minutes ago, Date this year already set, May 22nd. We'll roll out more information, including the teams uh, and the the prizes for this year's raffle. Again, same goal, $10,000, looking to top it for Hot Solace. So uh, if you have uh, any interest in helping out, any interest in any of the prizes, or just being a part of the action, we will have all that information for you coming up over the next few weeks. But... Getting back to this week, I just wanted to first briefly mention before I move on, congratulations to uh, my YCQ Wildcats on a well-earned 3-1 victory last night heading into the championship before the boys' JV championship on March 14th. Uh, hopefully we'll have some good news to come out of that. The boys have worked hard this year and uh, can only hope that they will work harder over the next two weeks and come out victorious when it really matters. But we'll get to that soon. We've got a lot to get to this week. A lot of uh, boys, uh, a lot of boys action, a lot of girls, uh, JV varsity, and we also have the setup for for girls B. So this is going to be a really full week. We do have a lot to get to, so let's get right to it. Kicking off today's show with JV basketball, still in the quarterfinal bracket. We have East 3 Hafter and West 2 SAR. Like their varsity squad, which we'll get to very shortly, the Hafter JV basketball team would have absolutely preferred to be on the other side of the coin here. Going into the last week of the regular season, the Hawks, with only one loss, seemed destined to be hosting a quarterfinal matchup. But with one loss to Mag and David, that notion went up in flames. Wink, wink. With that, Hafter found itself needing to play a first-round game where it squared off with East number 6, Flatbush, defeating them by 6. Despite the win looming in the dark, was knowing that they would need to spend the quarterfinal round on the road against the defending finalist SAR Sting. The Sting entered the playoffs with a 9-1 record, with the only loss being a 4-point loss to Frisch in a nail-biter. Determined to reverse last year's result, the West 2 seed knew what the road to YU would have in store for them. The Sting jumped out to an 8-point lead early on the visitors, but could not hold the margin, as a hafter onslaught late in the half gave the visitors the edge going into the halftime break 24-23. In almost a mirror image of the first, SAR would once again go up eight before Hafter behind Shailandiato and Harrison Koritsky were able to whittle it down to, uh, to just a few at the end of the third. In the fourth, though, SAR blew the game wide open, severely outpacing the Hawks, and route to a 12-point victory, 50-38. to Jake Schwalbe and Judah Oppenheimer led the charge with 13 and 9 points, respectively. SAR will now move on to play the winner of the Ma'or DRS game that happened last night that we will get to in just a moment. For Hafter, they will leave the season wondering what could have been had they taken the win over Mag and David. 
Mag and David, though, is out to prove that they are no slouches and that it is no fluke that they are the East's second seed. The Warriors at 8-2 and two defeated very formidable teams, including Hafter, as we said, Flatbush, and Derek while losing a close one-point game to Hank. The Warriors would get their first challenge against TABC as uh, the West 4 seed TABC and the second seed Mag and David Warriors, uh, sorry, the East second seed Mag and David Warriors did battle this past week. The Storm blew into the second round after their convincing first round win over Ramaz. Right off the bat, though, the home team made that statement that they were looking for. Uh, the Warrior defensive pressure locked down TABC, holding them to seven points in the first half, while amassing a 13-point lead at the half, 20-7. to That lead would teeter back and forth around that number in the second half as TABC finally found their scoring rhythm, but the deficit was just too big to overcome, and the defense just not there to keep the Warriors at bay. And the East 2 seed would fire the warning shot to the rest of the remaining JV teams that they would not be an easy out, closing out TABC 48-34. Yonatan Fine led TABC with 10 points in the loss. For the Storm, this would be the second year in a row that they bowed out in the quarterfinals to a Brooklyn opponent. Last year, they fell to the Flatbush Falcons in Flatbush in overtime. The Warriors, not even in the playoffs last year, and riding a ninth-grade heavy class, will make their first semifinal berth in quite some time. Who they would face was being determined at that exact moment as across the Hudson, Frisch and Hank were doing battle in Paramus for the right to the third semifinal slot. In that game, the East fourth-seeded Hurricanes gave Frisch all they could handle. Coming in, the Cougars had really been played close in only one game, that being against West's second-seeded SAR. Again, the Cougars coming into this game undefeated. Hank would prove to be a challenge for them. Hank, the fourth seed in the East, the Hurricanes came out strong in the first 16 minutes of play, jumping out to a five-point lead at the half. Frisch was able to open the, the uh, second half on an 8-0 run, though, and would lead from there on out. Hank would get within one a couple of times, but Frisch was able to fend them off, building the lead back up and extending it at the end to the final score of 55-47. to The Cougars can take two things out of this win. First, they can be happy with the win, put the game in its own vacuum, look ahead to the semifinal matchup. But in the back of their minds, though, they have to be wondering if this is what the East 4th seed can do uh, against us. Is there a possibility of the higher seeds really being a much bigger challenge? I mean, look, to have only SAR play you that close this year, the question really becomes, is it just a matchup thing with Hank? Hank has some of the best young players in the league, and next year will be a force to be reckoned with with their incoming class. But Frisch, the uh, you know the um, the ten most talented, arguably the most talented, will get to the other team that uh, would stake a claim to it, or would like to stake a claim to it in just a minute. But I guess in the playoffs, you really can only take it game by game. And at, at the end of this one, the Cougars victorious will look to their next opponent. That will be the Mag and David Warriors in the upcoming JV semifinal game. In the last game, the last game of the quarterfinals, the West 6 seed Maor, continuing their Cinderella run, rolled into DRS last night in the final quarterfinal matchup against the top seed in the East, the DRS Wildcats. On the line, a semifinal date with SAR. Uh, from the outset, Maor looked overmatched against the Cats, 
and fell behind early. The undefeated DRS team would roll out to a nearly 20-point lead at the end of the first half by the score of 31-12. to The second half would not get any better for the visitors, as DRS dropped 18 points in the third to up the deficit to 30 at 49-19 when all was said and done. In the fourth, though, Maor would mount a bit more offense, but the deficit being large as it was, DRS was able to keep the pace and roll to a 63-34 victory. DRS will now move on to face SAR. If you recall last year, the two sides met in the quarterfinal round where SAR defeated the Wildcats 39-34 on their way to their finals run. So taking a look at the semifinals, uh, a chalk semifinals after a rather wacky quarterfinals, we have East second seed Mag and David against West number one Frisch. That will take place next week. It'll take place uh, next Tuesday night. And the West number two SAR sting at the East number one DRS Wildcats. Don't know if that has a date just yet. So hopefully we'll be able to get to a preview in next week. If not, we'll have the recap of that game. But the two seeds and the one seed squaring off. So the regular season pretty much got it right. Let's see what happens as it gets close. Will we have an all-West final like we did last year between the two teams, Frisch or SAR? Uh, will DRS, the undefeated team, uh, the other undefeated team, stake a claim in the finals and upend SAR after last year? And will Mag and David, arguably the Cinderella of the group, although really not because of how they played over the year, this this could be their year to uh, to make a run back at the top. We'll see. Uh, we'll get to it next week right here on the Court Report. Moving over to girls basketball now, we'll start off in girls varsity A where this past week there was only one game that a quarterfinal matchup between West 2 SAR and East 3 Ramaz. It wasn't a close game, really, as SAR pounded Ramaz 37-12. Dahlia Fisher outscoring the entire Ramaz team by herself, dropping 15 on the night, ensuring there would be no repeat for the defending champion Rams. Um, SAR will now move on to face Flatbush, the East Division champs in the semis. Uh, those both happening this week, both on the same day, that will take place tomorrow night. SAR and Flatbush will meet up in Flatbush. Flatbush, the lone East representative among the three West teams that have been in each other's necks for the last two years and finished in a deadlock this year at 10-2. Flatbush and SAR have not met in recent memory, so this is really a totally foreign situation for both teams. The SAR team is the same group that won the JV championships two years ago, so they know how to play in a playoff atmosphere, but this Flatbush team has hung tough all season and will be the home team in this matchup. In the other matchup, Bruria and Frisch will square off in what will be a an intense uh, an intense uh, battle, really, really tough battle. We chronicled this game a bit last week, as it'll be the rubber match between the other two 10-2 teams in the West, who seem to believe that SAR may have gotten off the easiest, moving out to Flatbush. Uh, so they will battle Brewery and Frisch to see who will earn a trip to the championship. Both teams split their regular season showdowns 
teams winning on their respective home courts. Bruria fairly easily in Bruria, 55 to 37, and Frisch and a nail biter in Frisch, 49 to 46. Bruria is looking to make a return, sorry, a return trip to the finals and its third finals appearance in the last five years. The Lightning were upended by, as we just said, uh, Ramaz in the championship last season. The championship for the girls, I don't know if the location has been determined, but the date will be Thursday night, March 17th. Um, again, uh, these both of these games, the SAR West 2 SAR at East 1 Flatbush and West 3 Breweria at West 1 Frisch will both be happening tomorrow night. Moving over to Girls JV, taking you through the uh, the quarterfinals just to get to where we are now in JV. Again, uh, we talked about the West 4 play-in where Breweria defeated Kushner 55-28. to Breweria would then go on to face North Shore, losing at North Shore. The East won 52-32. Uh, in the other game in that bracket, the East 3 team, Flatbush, defeated the West 2 team, Mayanote, 50-38. On the other side of the bracket, Frisch defeating Ramaz, West 1 over East 4, 49-33. And the West 3 team in this bracket as well defeated the, the East 2 as SAR upended Hafter 27-24. So, you know what that means. Two divisions with two division champions, two three seeds moving on. Meaning that both semis will essentially be conference championship matchups. For the East... East 3 Flatbush at East 1 North Shore. That game will be happening on Thursday night. The teams split the regular season series. Both games won by the road teams. Flatbush won 37-32 in North Shore. And a week later, North Shore won big 57-39 in Flatbush. Both of these games were back in November, though. Each team has only taken one loss since. For Flatbush, that was to SAR. Well, for North Shore, it was a loss to Hafter. Uh, Flatbush looking to go one step further than they did last year and make it to the big game. Last year, they fell to SAR in the semis. For the West, it'll be West 3 SAR at West 1 Frisch. A much different story than the East. SAR here is sort of the miracle Cinderella team in the semifinals, having needed a win over Flatbush in the last game of the regular season to hit the 500 mark, and then a stunning upset over Hafter to make the semifinals. Between these two this season, there were two games. Frisch won both of them, 33-25 and 33-26. SAR, though, is looking to make a repeat run to the finals with the hopes of turning around last year's loss to Maya Note and bring home SAR's second JV Girls Championship in three years. Again, as I said, that championship will be Thursday night, March 17th. These games will be... T- I don't know when the uh, SAR Frisch game will be taking place. Um, hopefully, we'll have that for you. I'll check on the site in a little bit, and we'll see if we can actually ascertain that. But again, the Flatbush North Shore game will be taking place on Thursday night. Moving over to Girls B, which will finally get its playoffs underway. This week, Elon and SKA will do battle. Elon, the fourth seed, finishing their season with a record of 7-5, and five, will travel to SKA, the 11-1 SKA Sonics, to take them on, the defending champions who look to, uh, who look to get, pull down another championship. Over the regular season, as they faced twice, two wins over Elon, 35-27 to to begin the year, and 33-21 to in mid-December. The Brewer-Shalhevet game, the 2-3 game, will be taking place next Tuesday night, so we're going to talk more about that next week. 
Um, I do not believe that a date has been set for that championship yet. I'll check that as well for you. I guess we'll learn more about it next week, though, as it probably definitely can't happen without that second game being played. Now let's move on to varsity basketball. The quarterfinals wrapping up this week with two games uh, being played tonight. We'll get to those very shortly. On to the two games that were played, though. West 3 Hillel at East 2 Flappers last week. When you just say the names of the schools, you instantly know what you're going to get. You're going to get people who have very, very close knowledge of each other because of all the summers being spent together, the the deal squads, the the, the crews down in, in South Jersey along the beach. These guys spend all summer together. They they're in camps there, they're in uh they're in you know, they're all over the place. They know each other extremely well. So when you get these two schools together you are in for an instant classic. And that's exactly what happened last week in Flatbush. Uh watching that the live feed from uh from the cube uh, that Flatbush does. You could just sense how packed the gym was, uh, rafter to rafter, every seat taken up, no room on the on the around the court for people to actually really stand and watch because it was so packed. Um, almost made me feel really upset to not be there because that's really what this time of year is all about. Getting on to the games. Both teams were feeling it from the very beginning, trading threes and three-point plays to start the game off, with Flatbush holding a slim 8-6 lead after the first two minutes. The game would settle down after the uh, quick jump, and three minutes later, a combined three points held the game at 9-8 Falcons. Hillel seemed poised to take their first lead on the Sam Ashkenazi steal, but Ashkenazi could not convert on the fast break. The Falcons would push the ball back the other way, and A.B. Rosau would hit from 17 to push the lead to 3. Rosau would strike again with under 30 seconds left, putting a shot up, getting his own rebound, putting that back up, missing, getting that rebound, going up a third time, hitting the shot, getting the foul, and draining the free throw for a 6-point Flatbush lead. But with time winding down in the first, Isaac Beta received a pass at the top of the arc, drove to the foul line, and put up a jumper that found the bucket, cutting the score to 14-10 to to end the first quarter of play. The Falcons would score the first four points of the second to take an eight-point lead before Beta stepped back behind the line in the corner to give the Heat their first three points of the quarter. Two flappish free throws later by Elliot Beta, don't know if there's any relation, would run the lead up to seven, but never holding the lead. But another Hillel three would bring them back to a two-possession game. Another flappish bucket down low would push it back to six. The team would the teams would trade buckets, and halfway through the quarter, Flappish would hold a 22-16 lead. After two more Flatbush buckets to make it 26-18, the Heat would strike back, going on a 5-0 run on a 3 followed up by a steal and lay-in to bring the score closer at 26-23. There would be no scoring for the next three minutes leading into the half, and Hillel's run, a small victory for the Heat, helping them back to a one-possession game and outscoring the home team 13-12 in the second quarter. Rosa would open the third underneath the basket, but Hillel would score the next five points to tie the game at 28. The big shot, a three from deep in the corner, but Flatbush would take the lead back on a Kevin Haddad drive that also drew a foul. Haddad drained the shot, and again, Flatbush would take a three-point lead. The teams would trade threes before a transition lane by Hillel brought the game back to one. A miscommunication by Flappish on the next possession would lead to a backward violation, but Hillel could not capitalize. Haddad would get fouled again, but hit only one of two from the line, allowing two free throws to tie the game with under a minute left in the third quarter. 
Flatbush would grab two points with 20 seconds to go, and Hillel would have a chance to tie or take the lead in the final seconds, but a three-point shot hit off the rim and bounced away to end the third at 37-35 to Flatbush. Robert Tobias would tie the game up to start the fourth quarter. Two minutes later, same score. Haddad once again breaks the tie, this time with a long-range bomb from beyond the arc for a 40-37 lead. The bucket would be the start of a 13-4 run for the Falcons in a two-minute span, and with three minutes left, Flatbush had a 50-41 lead. Now, for those of you that thought Flatbush would be able to coast with this lead and take it all the way to the end, you got another thing coming. Remember, this is the playoffs, and this is where the most intense games happen. Isaac Beta would score three on an acrobatic and one, before a full-court pass from Jackie Michon to Rosell, all alone under the basket, would give Flatbush another nine-point lead with a 150 left. But Hillel was not done. Applying full-court pressure, Hillel maintained their poise down the stretch and began attacking the Flatbush defense in transition, converting on their foul shots in the waning moments of the game. Beta and Rosell traded free throws. Sam Ashkenazi drained a three with 49 seconds left, and the score was 55-49. to 49. A Flatbush free throw would put them at 56, but Gordon Adelson would drive to the lane, draw a foul, and drain both to bring Hillel to within five. Rosa would go to the line for the Falcons, but uncharacteristically would miss both. Four seconds later, Adelson would be fouled again, and again he would hit two, and so, with 21 seconds to go, what had once been a nine-point game had been a comfortable cushion had been dwindled down to a mere three points. When on the ensuing possession, Flatbush tossed a lead pass out of bounds with 17 seconds to play. Hillel found themselves in the unlikely position of possession of the ball with a chance to send the game into overtime. Taking their time looking for the right shot, the seconds began ticking away. With three seconds left, Ashkenazi let fly with a jumper from beyond the arc. It bounced away, but back to Isaac Beta, who took it back out to the corner with the clock fast approaching zero. Beta put up a desperation heave, but it went off the mark as the Flappish fans stormed the court in Flappish's 56-53 quarterfinal victory. Flappish was led in scoring by A.B. Rosau, who had 16 points on the night, had it registered 12, and Jackie Michon added 9 points. Hillel's beta, Isaac beta, led all scorers with 18 points. The Falcons will now await the winner of the YDE Heschel game, which was played tonight to see who their semi... Sorry, who will be played tonight to see who their semifinal opponent will be. A special thank you to Eric Amcraft for all the background information on that game. I think that you completely captured the essence of that game and just how intense and packed it was with your review of the game. Over to the other quarterfinal game that was played on the week, West 5 TABC at East number 1 DRS. DRS came out strong, uh, leading 30-21 to at the half in the second, though. The Wildcats exploded for a 33-14 to margin in the second half to a 63-35 to victory. Gabriel Leifer led with 30 points. You have Deutsch 15, uh, both for the Wildcats. So the undefeated Wildcats heading back to the semifinals. Uh, just who they would face? Well, we'll have to wait to find out because they will face the winner of tonight's game with Hafter and Frisch. That game will happen next week. Uh, next, I believe, next Tuesday night. Uh, let's see, it says here March 8th. And March 8th, effectively, is next Tuesday night. So that game will happen next Tuesday night. Just who will face Flatbush? Well, that will come down to the other game, as I said, the Hill, the sorry, the Heschel-YDE battle. Just taking a look at the quarters happening tonight. Hafter and Frisch doing battle. East number three, Hafter. West number two, Frisch. 
both not really expecting to be in the seeds that they're in. You know, after the three first and two, both both coming into the year figured that they would be a little higher up. Frisch, the two, and you know, Frisch being the two now instead of the one. Hafter not really expecting to be on the road in the quarters, just like their JV counterparts. Really a battle of the big men down low. Perlow and Rosner have been a handful all year for teams. Uh, Andrew Langer is going to really need to to step up his game to make sure that these two don't uh, don't take control. If Hafter allows uh, Sorry, if Frisch allows the big men to take control, then Hafter is going to take this game just like they took the other one that they played this year, 57 to 56. That one was at Hafter. This one will be at Frisch. So the game plan may need to be the same as they played against TABC and TABC. Uh, take outside shots and uh, just make them come out and guard you. Uh, they are familiar, though. Like I said, they already played. And this is on the road. Uh, this will be in Frisch. Sorry, where the Cougars have only lost twice. Both of those games in overtime, though, both against undefeated teams, Heschel and DRS. In the YDE Heschel game, again, the surprising powerhouse Heschel. As we just said, Frisch expected to be the one, but Heschel coming in and uh, really wrecking those plans against the Cinderella squad, YDE. Can YDE pull off the upset? I mean, we're talking about the East 5th seed here. If they pull this off, this could be one for the ages. It would absolutely set up a... uh, a massive battle between YDE and Flatbush, another Brooklyn-Brooklyn battle last year. Uh, forgot to mention this when talking about Flatbush and Hillel, but Flatbush, Mac, and David last year was the same thing. These are these are all people that know each other. To see YDE and Flatbush would be amazing. But Heschel, behind uh, behind the Brandeis twins this year, has uh, has really really picked up their game and really blown people out of the water with their with their play. They could easily be. It could easily be a, a, a story to talk about. Uh, should Heschel take this and then manage to go on to the championships? Again, the semifinal games. Flatbush will face the winner of the East Five YDE West One Heschel game going on now, and DRS will take on the winner of the East Three after West Two Frisch game. So a lot of storylines going on with that. We'll talk about those storylines next week because one of the games is Tuesday night. The other game will probably happen. Uh, probably happen later on. I can't imagine that with the game being tonight and them not having scheduled, that they're going to schedule it for this week, especially having another week. Their championship is going to be the 20th, so they're going to have that extra week to play a game that the Hockey League does not. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League sports. Moving over to hockey now, we're going to start off with JV hockey. No games this past week uh, as they move over to the semifinal rounds, the quarterfinals happening last week. Just to give you a recap of the first round of play, uh, number one, DRS defeated SAR 3-1. to Hafter, the five seed, upending JEC in JEC 3 to nothing. Hank, the six seed, upset Flatbush in Flatbush 5-2. to and Frisch coming back, uh, well, not really coming back, but winning with 18 seconds left, a goal with 18 seconds left, uh, the 2C defeating the 7C TABC 2-1, setting up the two matchups for you this coming week. Matchup number one will be DRS, the 1-seed hosting Hank, the 6-seed, and Frisch, the 2-seed hosting Hafter, the 5-seed. Starting off with DRS and Hank. 
In terms of history, there's not much history in the way of playoff history between the two teams. Hank has only been in the JV League for the last eight years, and only three, I believe, uh, only three of those years, they found themselves in the postseason. In just a couple of interesting notes, though, because during the regular season, the history as it goes, in the eight years in the regular season play, DRS has never lost to the Hurricanes. This season, however, history gives way to storylines, because Hank has come the closest that it ever has to actually knocking off the Wildcats. They played twice this year, DRS winning both, but in the first game, Hank jumped out to a one nothing lead in the second period on a goal by freshman Hootie Silverman. DRS countered late in the period on a goal by Yosef Adler, also a freshman. Uh, he, right now, the freshman classes in general, both of these teams came into the year actually with two of the most touted uh, freshman classes, Hank and DRS, really splitting the D- the Halb, Hank, uh, Hartora teams that really made a go of it last year. Uh, for the majority of the Halb team, obviously went to DRS. Majority of the Hank team went to Hank. Hartora sort of putting its, interjecting itself into the Hank team, making that one of, if not the strongest freshman class. Obviously, the Halb team coming in as champions, Hartora and Hank. Hartora, the finalist from junior high last year in New York. Uh, Hank, the runner-up in the Eastern Division to help. Um, definitely two of the top classes. You have to take a look at at um, a lot of the players that are really contributing for both sides. Again, Adler and Aiden Englander uh, for the for the for the Halb squad moving over to Hank majority of their team actually majority of their team majority of their contributing roster actually is freshmen you look at uh, Yoni Hazan Bernie Maslin Elon Khan and then you also take a look oh, sorry also mentioned Hootie Silverman before but then you take a look at you know what's going on in net which we'll get to very shortly actually fittingly it would be a freshman to decide that game as early in the third Adler again would score to give DRS the win in the second game Hank upped the ante by jumping out to an early 2-0 lead scoring more goals in a 5 minute stretch off of Jakey Friedman than any one team has all season Jacob Schwartzman and Jan Hazan popped in the goals for the Hurricanes uh, DRS battle back, killing off a four-on-two in the process and scoring three goals, keeping Hank quiet the rest of the way for their second comeback win over the season. Just a few notes on the game. Uh, Hank is the only team, as I mentioned, to score more than one goal off of Jakey Friedman. Also, Hank is the only team this season to actually have a lead on DRS. Looking at it the other way around, DRS is the only team to have scored more than two goals off of Eitan Rabanapur in net for Hank. Very big storyline there, as potentially you can say this is a battle of the top two goalies in the league, Rabanapur. After uh, early shaky play uh, against Hafter in the second game, his in the second game of the season for Hank, his first game as a Hank Hurricane has been stellar, really putting on a show, and actually being the one in net for those two very close games to DRS, definitely taking on the more powerful teams and being that goalie that Hank could potentially need to bring itself to a championship. So what's the real storyline there? The fact that. Eitan Rabanapur and Jakey Friedman are probably as close as you can get in terms of goaltenders. Um, Jakey Friedman and Eitan Rabanapur, as members of the Hartora Hattricks for three years, Rabanapur was, for two of those years, I believe, Rabanapur was Jakey Friedman's backup. Uh, Jakey Friedman, obviously a year older, but 
Jakey Friedman, uh, but learning at the feet of Jakey Friedman, one of the best goalies to ever play in junior high hockey, and now a uh, goalie really taking apart the JV league on his own. So, truth is, it's you know it's six of one, half dozen of another. The two put on a stellar show against each other uh, in the first two games this year. But the fact that they're so close, and the fact that they've both learned in the same place and the same things. It really does just. It really does show you uh, just how close some of the people in this league can be, and how great some of the relationships really are. But and it's only I think fitting that these two fight against each other. I think the only way it would have been more fitting for the two of them is to have squared off in a couple of weeks in Lawrence Middle School. But given the way the seedings worked out, this is the way it has to happen. Um, so people have asked me for a prediction, and based on what I just said in terms of, uh, you know, Rabanapur and Friedman knowing that they went through Hartora going through my system. It's like asking a parent to choose between, you know, to choose between their children. And I, I'm not, I'm not really interested in doing that. So I'm not going to give a prediction on this game. All I know is that it's bound to be a stellar goalie battle and I am going to be proud of my boys one way or another. So it's bound to be an exciting game. Probably the best battle you will see in the postseason. Season. And if you're listening to this show on Tuesday night, the ball's going to drop in about, uh, I'd say, a couple of minutes. Uh, you can catch it on DRS's live stream site on YouTube. If it's Sunday night, uh, if it's the Encore show, go back and watch it. It'll probably be worth the view. Moving on to the other matchup, the other semifinal, number two Frisch, number five Hafter. These are two teams that have been around the JV hockey world from the very beginning. It's really hard to go back all the way for all the history, so we're just going to really stick with the recent history. The last time these two faced on the JV level was two years ago with this year's varsity squads. Frisch at that point was the home team as the West 2 seed, while Hafter had had claimed the East 3 seed. In that game, Yuta Sigelnik, Jake Berger, and Zach Kramer notched goals for the victorious while Jacob Silver scored the lone goal for the Cougars. Ryan Gluck would steal this game for the Hawks, as he's done since, robbing Frisch on the doorstep of a sure goal that would have tied the game early in the third period. This year, though, Frisch 10-0, obviously 1-0 in the playoffs as the second seed in the West. Uh, Hafter, sorry, the second seed overall, 7-2, Hafter, 7-2, one win in the playoffs, the five seed. Hafter not doing well against undefeated teams this season, uh, losing to number one DRS twice, 5 nothing and 5-1, captain obvious to, to that note. Against similar teams uh, this season, both faced TABC and Rambam, and both teams won their respective games against those opponents. So both teams are in the semifinals and have been ranked in the top five all season for a reason, as our other two, uh, DRS and Hank, were as well. Uh, Hafter has gotten through the season with very good play in its own defensive zone and resiliency and rebounding from early deficits, as most of their most of their wins have actually come from behind, whether in the third period or in overtime. Frisch has dominated with its possession and technical ability on the offensive end. Each side has their superstars, with Hafter's Jake Kramer, Daniel. Stefaniev and Daniel Salzberger matching up with Frisch's Joe Trapp, Benji Feintuck, and Hank transfer Maury Bauer. Uh, the reason Frisch advanced to the second round with his late-game heroics against TABC two weeks ago, as I mentioned earlier, 18 seconds left, scoring the, the uh, tie-breaking goal. 
the X factor in this game may come down to the court, though. Frisch's court may be just a bit too big and too wide for the Hawks to be able to properly protect Ben Horowitz in net against a suffocating Frisch offense. Trop and Safaniev should have a fun time battling each other. The both the Giants on the floor, but it may be tough for Hanser, for sorry for Hafter to find an answer for Bauer. However, if Frisch can't put distance between them and the Hawks early, just as we've seen all year, if the game enters the goal, the uh, sorry the third within two goals, don't count out Hafter just yet. They may come back to surprise you. So that pretty much wraps up our our run through of JV. Obviously, uh, the winner of these two games will meet March 13th. Um, that will be Sunday, March 13th. I believe the I believe the starting time the the junior high game that day starts at 11:15. So I think you might be looking at a 1:30 or 2 o'clock start time. I don't know if it's up on the Jewish Hoops America site yet. Uh, sorry, not Jewish Hoops America. Still thinking about basketball. I don't know if it's actually up on the MYHSAL page yet or not, but I, I'm going to check right now. looks as if, no, the time is not up yet. Hopefully, by next week's show, we will have a time for you, and uh, we'll also have the two teams that will be moving on to play in that game. Moving on to varsity hockey now. Again, we'll just, since we just mentioned the JV Championship, the varsity hockey championship will take place right after the JV Championship in Lawrence Middle School on March 13th. Moving over to the games from this past week, the other quarterfinals. Again, we know that Frisch moved on with its win over Rambam in overtime 4-3 two weeks ago. But who would join them? That was decided this past week. The first game, West 5 Ramaz, by virtue of their win over the East 4th seed Flatbush, taking on West number 1 TABC this past Thursday night. The second year in a row that this is a quarterfinal game. The two met last year in TABC with TABC uh, taking taking away the quarterfinal win 3 to nothing. This year, a uh, little bit different game. Ramaz came out aggressive and paid for it early. Three penalties in the first five minutes, including a four-on-two. While TABC would not score on the four-on-two directly after the Ramaz player jumped out of the box, Kalev Minsky, who had just missed the net ten seconds earlier, put a slap shot on net that beat goalie Ben Kaplan, who stood on his head for the first few minutes at the 7.27 mark of the first period for the first goal of the game. Two minutes later, TABC would strike again. Yair Noller in the corner sent a pass back to Ari Fuchs at the line, who blasted it home for the second goal of the game and second goal from the defense, which would be a theme of the night. A minute later, TABC would take a penalty of their own, and Ramaz would go on the power play. Thirty seconds in, though, Ari Fuchs... Uh, TABC defenseman would steal a pass, take it down the court. Ben Kaplan would make the save on the initial breakaway. Fuchs would seal the ball back and take a shot again, also saved by Kaplan. The rebound would find its way back to, guess who, Fuchs, who made his way to the net, got Kaplan to bite going down. Deeked went to his backhand and put it home for the shorthanded goal, making it 3 nothing with 3.5 left in the first period. So here's a crazy stat for you. In the first 7.30 of a playoff game, Ari Fuchs, a defenseman, gets an assist on a power play goal, having assisted Minsky's goal, scoring an even strength goal, and earning a shorthanded goal. So Ramaz's power play would continue, but to no avail. Each team would get cold for penalties as the clock wound down in the first, and so we would start the second period with three-on-three action. 
that would be extremely important. As 15 seconds into the period, Daniel Levy, on a solo effort, would take advantage of the open space, move in on Kaplan, go forehand to backhand, and smacked it home for the 4 nothing advantage. And the first goal by an offenseman on the night, by the way. Action would continue until halfway through the period. TBC on yet another power play, shocker. Minsky again with a rifle from the point for a 5 nothing score, meaning that in a little over a period and a half of action, TABC has had, keep, uh, pay attention to this, one goal at 4 on 4, two goals at 4 on 3, one goal at 3 on 3, and one goal at 3 on 4. So that's a heck of a stat line. The score would stay that way heading into the final period of play. Much like the beginning of the second, TABC would open the third with a goal, this time by Zach Rothenberg. Less than a minute later, Jonah Gantrow would add one of his own for a 7-0 lead. Mercifully, that would be all the scoring for the Storm on the night. Shua Balin would keep the shutout until about the 4-minute mark. Shockingly enough, there were more penalties. Ramaz would find itself on a 3-on-2, and Alex Glaubach would snipe a shot home from three-quarter court to take the bagel off of Balin's board. 30 seconds later, a scramble in front of the net would result in Ramaz scoring a second goal with what would be the final goal of the game with a 7-2 score in favor of the home team Storm. Props to Shmuel Bach on the uh, TABC broadcast calling, calling the score on the pregame. The more fascinating aspect of this game is the fact that if you had 20 as the over-under amount of penalties called and you picked the under... Uh, I think you kind of lost with room to spare. I didn't go back to count all of the penalties, but the amount of four-on-threes, four-on-twos, three-on-twos, and three-on-threes was astounding. I guess that's just a, more of a nod to how much you know the, the teams really wanted it. Sometimes it's not about being dirty or, or overly physical. Sometimes it's just about the heart and determination just winding up in a penalty occurring. You know, the, these are these are very, very heated games in terms of in terms of the want and the passion and desire for a championship. And sometimes it happens. And this was just one of those games where the majority of that heart just showed itself on the penalty side as opposed to the uh, goal-scoring side. Well, except for the fact that the goal-scoring side had had nine there, seven for TABC and two for Ramaz. But it was a very, very hard-played game by both sides, and not, not a really dirty one. Speaking of penalty-filled meetups, the last time that Kushner and Hafter met in the playoffs, it sent scorekeepers into a frenzy with the desire and determination that both teams had in looking for the win. This time around, though, a more technical battle between the two. Hafter jumped out to an early lead on two goals, uh, uh, two-nothing lead on goals by Jake Berger and Yehuda Sigelnik before the Cobras cut into the deficit on an Ellie Slonim power play goal. Hafter would strike back quickly before the end of the period with two more, one by Donnie Goldberg and one by Daniel Lichter to take a 4-1 lead into the first intermission. The Hawks would keep Kushner down for the next 24 minutes, adding another Lichter goal before the final buzzer for a 5-1 victory, advancing to another semifinal on the road to what they hope will be a third consecutive varsity hockey championship. The interesting question, though, is whether their opponents for the last two finals, the DRS Wildcats, would attend the party as well. Based on the brackets, Hafter already knew that they would not be meeting up with uh, DRS, that they would not meet in the finals, I mean. But a semifinal date between the two was certainly a possibility. Uh, the alternative for them, a second straight season squaring off with the SAR Sting. 
As if this game didn't have enough of a backstory, as we mentioned uh, in our JV preview last week, this is the group that two years ago met in almost complete opposite fashion. At that point, DRS was the second seed uh, in the East, as they are the West third seed, and a game that took place in DRS. Two years ago, roles reversed, as they are the second seed in the West, DRS the third seed in the East after an 8-5-0-1-1 uh, campaign. Five losses. Interesting to to note that the five or six losses, it says 8-5-0-1-1, so technically six losses. Those six losses, the only six losses that any DRS, JV, or varsity team uh, took all year. If if you've uh, been following for the season, the JV teams, the JV hockey and basketball team, each went 10-0. The DRS varsity basketball team, as we mentioned, coming into the playoffs was 14 and 0. DRS varsity hockey team, the only teams, the only team to take a loss this season. Going back to that game, that game two years ago was a one nothing overtime affair. This game could not have been more different. Both goalies Gabriel Miller for DRS and Jonah Amron for SAR opened the game strong, keeping the game at nothing nothing until about halfway through the game when Ellie Best knocked a Gordy Kolb rebound into the net for SAR's first goal. Not too long after that, Kolb would net one himself to extend the deficit to two, which is where it would stand heading into the final period of play. In the third, though, SAR would break the game wide open, scoring four goals, two by Solomon Freilish, one by Shua Friedman, and a shorthanded goal by Kolb to put the game out of reach. DRS would mount some offense with goals by Eitan Arie and Andrew Giller, but by that point, the game was long over as SAR coasted to a 6-2 victory. So, Yeshiva League hockey fans, you know what that means. Somebody put on a pot of coffee. Fans, bring your pillows, bring your sleeping bags, bring your pajamas. Because if this is going to be anything like last year, we are going to be there all night. For those paying attention to the brackets, this means that we will once again have the privilege of seeing SAR and Hafter do battle. If you remember, going back to last year's semifinals, because nobody has stopped talking about it yet, the four-overtime thriller, uh, Gilad Kirstein scoring the game winner in the fourth overtime for Hafter for the 2-1 victory. I believe... I believe only because I don't know the exact timing of the last longest playoff game, I believe that this was the longest game in Yeshiva League history playoff regulation. Aside from, as as I joked last year, that Ramaz Hafter uh, championship game that was called in the middle of the second overtime, uh, that which many people believe is still ongoing. Um, this was, in fact, probably the longest or the second longest in Yeshiva League history, ending with, I think, seven minutes left in the in the fourth overtime. I believe it just narrowly beat out the JEC Flatbush uh, quadruple overtime uh, quarterfinal game. I believe it was a quarterfinal game a couple of years back. Um Coming back to it, uh, they faced once this year in SAR. Thankfully, that didn't take quite as long, with SAR handing uh, after the first loss of the season for them, uh, 2-1, to one, on goals by Sam Soff and Joey McGillner. McGillner, the game winner, one minute after Daniel Lichter scored the power play goal uh, in the third to tie the game up. I'm very much looking forward to this. I don't know when that that game is going to be to be uh, 
played. It hasn't quite been scheduled yet. But just to give you a little frame of reference of how long last year's game really took. That night, there were both semifinal games played. DRS and TABC were playing in TABC. That game started about a half hour after the SAR Hafter game in Hafter. That game went. That game was played, went to conclusion, and DRS players were able to be in Hafter for the finish when it came about, with plenty of time to spare. Uh, an interesting night also with the Rambam Frisch JV uh, overtime game happening across the street. There were a couple of uh, major delays in the in the SAR Hafter game as well, but th- th- it was probably the longest that anybody has been in one gym for one game in an extremely long time. And if history is any indicator, it's going to be a very, very physical, very, very hard-fought battle. The game that they played earlier this year in SAR was very, was, was very intense, and it should only continue, especially with a berth to the championship on the line. Hafter fighting for what will like what well what they hope to be will be their third consecutive championship. SAR looking to get back to the title game for the first time in a few years. Uh, moving over to the other semifinal game, which we know when it will be, that will be next Monday night. That game will be taking place between the West 3-seed Frisch and the West 1-seed TABC. As interesting as the SAR Hafter history is, this semifinal is one that features way more history and even more bad blood. This is a rivalry that runs deeper and longer than most, if not all others, effectively splitting Bergen County right down the middle. Both these teams met twice this year. The first game in November, TABC winning 5-2. to two, two goals by Shua Naor, with Levy, Noller, and Sam Eitensatter scoring goals for the Storm as well. Brian Alter and Sammy Weichner scoring for Frisch. Second game in Frisch, a much closer affair. Frisch taking an early lead on a goal by Alter. In the second, TABC would tie it up on a goal by Levy, with Frisch countering back on a goal by Stevie Brin. TABC was then able to tie and take the lead heading into the third on goals by Noller and Josh Tashino. And in the third, Minsky widened the lead uh, before Alter scored late to make the final score 4-3 TABC. A couple of things TABC can hang their hats on uh, that go in their favor. One, the game is in TABC where the first game was. TABC has been undefeated uh, on the season and dominant at home, also having several of the most dominant players uh, as a group for the last few years. This group really was touted to be a four-year championship group, really that much further ahead. Um, This group has also not lost to Frisch in their four-year history. So... In the battle of these two teams, the, the, the matchup swings towards TABC, but Frisch does have one major statistic in their corner, and that is not much something of their own, but more of TABC, and that's TABC's inability to get past the semifinals in the last two years. Granted, two years ago, not favored against Hafter, missing one of their top defensemen to an injury suffered only a day or two before the game, they lost in overtime after a close battle that they almost won. 
last year, though, facing a less talented DRS team, don't boo me for saying it, uh, who went into TABC and completely shut down the storm, lose, uh, with TABC losing 4-1 against a team that struggled to tie them in DRS a few weeks earlier. So TABC is going to have to get over that hurdle, because either they will, and this group will have a chance to fight for a varsity championship, which several of them took two JV championships in their two years in JV. The senior class took two championships in JV, and then a year in between. Um, they want to get that one on the varsity level, they're going to have to get past that hurdle. If not, Frisch, a team that's been running on adrenaline and really cooking, uh, especially in the uh, in the quarterfinal game against Rambam, um, which they did shorthanded, they, they're now looking, they're chomping at the bit in order to get to that championship game. It's been a while since a Frisch team has been there, despite very powerful teams, and if they can get over the hurdles of being in TABC and playing against TABC and use TABC's what could even be a stigma against them, Frisch can walk away and, and earn its first championship berth in quite a while. Taking a look at the website, at the MYHSAL website, just curious for a second as to the timing. Um, it looks as if both games are actually going to be played on the same night. Again, just like last year, a Monday night, just like last year. Um, so Hafter and SAR will play in Hafter uh, next Monday night at 7.30 p.m., I believe the same start time as last year's game, and Frisch will play in TABC starting at 8 o'clock. So, um, I guess if you're a Frischer TABC fan, you're sort of uh, wondering whether or not the same thing that happened last year can happen again. You can get home, watch uh, watch uh, as much as the SAR Hafter game as you can. I'm just hoping that it doesn't go quite that far, because generally Monday night is when I come home and write most of the material for my show. Last year, I decided I just wanted to record on Monday night, so um, hopefully there... I mean, I'm looking forward to a good game. I'll probably end up going to that one, the SAR Hafter game, because it's right here, and I don't have that much to worry about. I'm not looking to uh, to, uh, to short-shift uh, Frisch or TABC, but I also get the feeling I'll be able to watch the Frisch TABC game online afterwards, so I'll probably be heading to Hafter SAR to see that game. Based on last year, um, if it runs just like last year, I'll probably end up recording a show next Monday night as well, just to really capture how much of the game is, uh, you know, how much intensity the game really had, but hopefully it'll be a normal run-of-the-mill game that, that ends, uh, you know, a strongly played, intense game that just ends when it's supposed to. I can, I can only hope, I can't, uh, I can't control it, but uh, looking forward to a great two games and, uh, you know, all that leading up to the championship on March 13th. Well, that'll about do it for our show for the week. Thanks again to everybody for listening in. Hope you guys got a lot out of this show. Uh, teams, again, are uh, now prepping for their semifinal games. I know that there are some quarters still going on now, but mostly everyone's setting up for their semifinals. And we will have those for you next week. So tune right, tune, uh, you know, tune in right here on the Court Report next week. We'll have that. We'll also have, hopefully, a Sarachek preview. We'll have a, a rundown of all the teams in the Sarachek tournament which will be happening next uh, next weekend, uh, right on through the next Monday. This Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday night, Sunday, and Monday, right into the week of the 14th. I believe the dates are the yeah, sorry, the 10th to the 14th. So next Tuesday, we will have that for you right here on the Court Report. So stay tuned for that. If you missed 
any part of this or any episode this season. You can also catch the Encore presentation every Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app tomorrow morning. J.M. in the A.M. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com